moment you've all been waiting for. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. It's nine minutes after eight. Thank you so much for staying with us here on AM Live. And time now for the Forum at Eight. Now, this morning, uh, we'll be talking about some very interesting views that have been um, uh, put out there. And we'll come to that in just a minute. But let me just give you some background. Now, since the National Health Insurance White Paper was released on the 10th of December 2015, it has drawn a flurry of comments, some positive, but others less so. And while some of the critical responses say that the NHI will be expensive and place an unrealistic burden on the middle class tax base. Others say that it will infringe on the right of the rich to unfettered access to private health facilities. The latest comments in this regard, which brings us to what we are going to talk about this morning, um, was by the South African Health Professions Council President, Dr. Jose Letape. Um, the I speak as an individual. Um, in not your capacity in, here as an individual. In an office. So forget the office because it creates a, a Fair enough. Stop. Fair enough. I'm not here as the president of cancer. Fair enough. So, you, you know, so it, is, it is not fair on no, cancer we get that. for that characterization to be put out there. So Dr. Hosilet Lape here in his private capacity. And uh, so uh, speaking um, at a university gathering, Dr. Dr. Letlape said that uh, medical aid schemes are a crime against humanity and that they cannot coexist with the government's proposed NHI scheme. So we're going to unpack that in terms of what that means and, and, and also test the veracity thereof. And uh, Dr. Letlape joins us um, saying, as he said, speaking in his private capacity as an ophthalmologist in private practice. Thanks for coming through. Uh, thank you. Uh, and people must just understand that the Health Professions Council is a regulator, does not deal with issues of direct financing of healthcare. So this would be outside their statutory mandate. And I'm not here in that capacity. I'm here as an individual, as a South African, as an ophthalmologist in private practice, as a son of the soil, and as a caring South African. And also with us this morning is uh, Ms. Nondumiso Kumalo, who's Senior Health Economist at the Council for uh, Medical Schemes in South Africa. Thanks for coming through. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for the invitation. And joining us on the line, Senior Healthcare Consultant at Healthman is Dr. Johan Serfontein. Thanks for your time as well. Um, Good morning and good morning to the listeners. So, uh, Dr. Litlapi, let's start with you. Um, you know, uh, you, some of the comments that you made um, at the UKZN was that we should do away with medical aid schemes because, in essence, you know, uh, this will not um, work out with the proposed NHI that the country is uh, trying to implement. So explain to us your thoughts around this. Okay. I, I think it might be helpful just to, for people to be reminded that uh, the Medical Schemes Act is a surviving piece of apartheid legislation. And what it does at parliament level is to divide South Africans into haves and have-nots. It is not a voluntary thing. For many big companies, when you join their company, medical aid is compulsory. It's not something that you choose. It's a condition of employment. And if you look back into the history, from a well-funded public health care system, You then had systematic underfunding, gaining momentum and reaching its height in the 80s, where the public health care system was underfunded and the private health care system was built up largely on the back of the modifications of the Medical Schemes Act since its eventual uh, initial establishment in 1967. 
So what you have now in South Africa is you have haves in one pot and have-nots in, in, in one pot. Now, separateness doesn't work. Apartheid never worked for this country. Apartheid was described as an evil against mankind. So apartheid in any of its guises, apartheid in health, has to be viewed in the same sense. Remember that the only way that you can have equity is for those with means, for social goods, to cross-subsidize those without means. Can you imagine a world where there would have been a private road scheme, where the private people had their own roads and the poor had to have their own roads? And, and another thing that people forget is that this grudge purchase that everybody is trying to defend, which is based on an apartheid rule, it's not like it smells like roses. And people must understand, I'm not saying there should be citizens don't have to make their choice, but government cannot divide its citizens. Citizens can buy their own volition, choose what they want to do outside what government does collectively for us, like we do for education of our children. There's no private schools act. There's no tax deductibility for the horrendous amounts we pay to take our children to private school. It's our own volition. That can still be. But what we cannot have is an act of parliament. I mean, I, I've been battling with this for many years. Where I'm saying the four grants, six grants that I pay to a medical aid. I want to pay to a central fund so that fellow South Africans that have lesser means should, by virtue of Section 27 of the Constitution, have access to quality health care. The only way we can fulfill the promises of the Constitution is if the government is creating a system for all of us, from the gogo in a rural village to the head of state to the Supreme Court justice. It has to be a system that works for all of us, and those of us with means will fund it more than those with lesser means. And people have to understand, when people talk about national health, sometimes people get confused because it's national health insurance. It's like instead of having 85 medical schemes, you're going to have one medical scheme, but it's still for the haves. No, the national health is for all of us. It's going to cover the employed, the unemployed, the intelligent, the not so intelligent, the rich, the not so rich. It becomes a system for all of us. It becomes an opportunity to make 94 have meaning for all citizens. Health is not a privilege. Health is a right in terms of our constitution. And those of us with means cannot be put by parliament in a separate healthcare system. You know, people will come with these notions that say, you know, uh, we are reducing the burden of the state by going private. No, you are making delivery to the majority impossible by being segregated. There is nothing called separate and equal. It doesn't work. People separate for the benefits of separateness. And this piece of legislation has been modified and used to ensure that what liberty has given us, those fruits, are not born in the healthcare system. We've had a public healthcare system second to none, albeit 
you had one for whites that was probably the best in the world. Okay, but even the public health care system that I was raised in had more to deliver than the public health care system of today. And the key issue is separateness and different resources. I mean, people, you don't need to be a scientist. I'm not an economist. But what we spend in the private sector is eight times per capita what is sent, spent in the public sector. Mm. And, and, and so why do we get surprised when we see the myriad of challenges? You know, we have a healthcare system in this country built on the backbone of public service that is now under stress but can be rebuilt. We have one of the best health education systems in the country. We produce doctors that walk into jobs in the first world countries, all trained in a public health care system. Now, if we do not take corrective measures, all that is going to crumble. And we owe it to ourselves to say every South African matters. And we're going to be together. It does not prevent those of us that have excess cash, that have ideas where you don't want to mix with the poor or have exclusivist ideas to do our own thing. Our constitution and bill of rights allows people to do what they want. But what it does not do is to allow parliament to promote an act that divides the nation. Mm-hmm. Let's hear from Dr. Mike, uh, um, Dr. Johan Serfontein, what his views are. Agree, disagree with Dr. Litlape there? Um, morning, yo. I think it's a little bit disappointing um, that what comes across because Dr. Litlape is now saying that the Medical Schemes Act should be abolished, whereas he was widely quoted in the press saying that medical schemes should actually be abolished and they are a crime against humanity. So, you know, that creates a bit of a bit of a concern. Now, speaking to a couple of the points that you raised, you know, in, in 1976, South Africa had 119,000 hospital beds in total. In 2013, we had 121,000 hospital beds. So in that same time, the South African population went from 22 million to 50 million people. So government is not doing its part in actually creating enough hospital beds to service the entire the entire community. So yes, the private sector actually serves a, a portion of the community that do not have otherwise would have struggled to get access because government hospital beds and most, most of those 119,000 hospital beds in 1976 were government beds, whereas government beds are sitting at about 86,000 at the moment. So government beds are reducing vastly. So the moment you abolish medical schemes, you're going to find that the private me- medical provision sector falls after that. And the fact is that the government does not have the resources to employ the people that are currently working in the private sector. If you look between 2002 and 2010, there were 11,700 medical graduates from universities in the public sector only created 4,400 posts. So those remaining 7,200 or 62% of graduates, if they weren't employed in the private sector, they would have nowhere to go in South Africa and they would have had to leave the country. So abolishing medical schemes would mean that you, you have a, you're going to have a massive outage of medical personnel from South Africa because the government sector doesn't actually have the resources to employ all of these people. And the same with the, the 28% of hospital beds currently in the private sector. Those will also be going because people can't pay out of their pockets for these things. So it, it's, it's very disappointing when one says, you know, the private sector is evil when the, the fact of the matter is that 
you know, they are providing a service, and if, if that service goes away, 8.8 million people are going to be without anywhere to go in South Africa. And then the last stat that I want to quote is that in 2014, according to Stats SA, there was actually 10.02 million South Africans that utilized the public health care sector. So despite the fact that it's supposed to provide for, for everybody, only 10 million people utilized it. In the medical schemes, there's 8.8 million people. So if you look at the cost per capita, it is actually almost exactly the same between the public sector and the private sector on what gets spent per person in a year. Well, um, uh, okay, can I correct certain things? Just a moment, because okay. I, I just want uh, Ms. Kumala to weigh in on this, um, you know, as a health economist and listening to both sides of this particular story. What are your views here? Well, I think um, for the Council for Medical Schemes, we're quite clear. And in fact, if um, everybody looks at the evolution of the Medical Schemes Act, you'd have to trace it back to where we were at the time when the minister was chasing the social health insurance goal and the fact that universal coverage was always conserved to be one of the key pillars of the South African national health system. So even though currently we have the Medical Schemes Act, which was amended around 1998, and it came into to um, full um, impact uh, around 2000. The idea was always that South African national health system will move towards a universal healthcare coverage system. And um, within that system, there was an idea that there will be broader social solidarity within the sector. Um, Certain things were meant to happen, which, um, I mean, they are currently being debated, some of them at the Competition Commission, the health market inquiry, because as the uh, previous speaker mentioned about the dynamics of the private that um, healthcare market, it's not all glory and good because, I mean, we're, uh, we're having a market inquiry as we speak because of the cost drivers that are actually problematic in the private healthcare market. And actually, we as the Council for Medical Schemes, we've communicated um, to the industry and to the general po- population about the fact that these cost drivers are becoming such a huge problem to the point that they are affecting affordability. So, Dr. Litlape spoke about fragmentation that it is actually according to him unconstitutional because we're talking about healthcare which is contained within the Bill of Rights but that fragmentation is actually it exists even within the private healthcare sector at least we've observed it in the medical schemes market where you see that um, you know certain uh, members are not accessing similar benefits because there's a variety of benefit options that are being offered and in most cases some of the members they don't even know the difference between benefit option A and benefit option B. They don't know how to claim from the medical schemes in a manner that is cost efficient, um, avoiding paying excessive out-of-pocket payments. And if people can go through our annual report, they will see actually in our complaints um, trends that we have published. Um, The types of um, complaints that we get from members, some actually relate to the medical schemes not paying for the statutory regulated um, um, package. Members are paying the premiums and they expect the medical schemes to pay for the benefits uh, should they need care. Now I'm talking about the prescribed uh, minimum benefits which are legislated um, services that need to be paid in full at a DSP. Now it, the onus is upon the medical schemes to communicate to the members who the nominated des- designated um, service provider networks are. If the scheme does not communicate that and we've seen such complaints um, within the medical um, uh, schemes um, 
complaints database. Um, it means that there is some gaming in the industry. So we are currently not happy with the inefficiencies that we have observed within our um, environment. And we are actually supporting broader so- social solidarity because health, as you know, it has both positive and external um, uh, positive and um, negative externalities. So you have to look at health as a social benefit because if you don't treat it as such, you're going to have a, a massive uh, uh, problem even for our economic growth. Hence, even the NDP has clearly outlined the attainment of a broader uh, social solidarity as one of the key mandates that the, the South African government needs to move towards because there is a close association between income growth, economic activity and um, health care in the general population. Uh, Dr. Litla? I, I think it, it, it's People say they are quite disappointed because what was reported in the papers was abolition of medical schemes. I've always advocated for repealing an abolition of the Medical Schemes Act. Now, you don't need to be a genius. The schemes are based on the Medical Schemes Act. Mm. If the act disappears, they will disappear. So people must not try and act like they are confused. It's the act that is a problem. And I'm not saying people can't go into private arrangements like we do for private schools, but not on the back of an act of parliament that then divides us as haves and have-nots because we have no basis for health care that is equitable, that works. And people mustn't pretend like everything is hunky-dory in the private sector. It's also become too commercialized. The CMS can't keep up with the plethora of things. There are million and one complaints. Uh, the average average doctor on medical aid does not want, understand what they are covered for, what they're not covered for. It becomes a painful experience. You're fully covered as long as you don't get sick. But what is critical, he spoke about birds and the decreasing birds. How can you increase birds when the money that you're getting is being squeezed and taken out of the system? And the birds in private are birds that were built on the back of the act. They were built on the medical schemes contributions, on the medical schemes money. It's not, they were not built on people's out-of-pocket money. So it's a systematic thing, and the two things are related. And all we ask is that if there's going to be a better South Africa for all, on certain issues, at least where Parliament comes from, they should work for all South Africans. There should be one funding system from Parliament, for all citizens. What citizens do outside that, it's their choice. Now, they confuse funding with provision. It's good that you have an infrastructure in the private sector. It can be available to serve all South Africans. With a government that has a central fund that funds all South Africans. So, there's this people where they confuse provision with funding mechanisms. And, and, and we should not be confused. And we should not be confused about the fact that what you have, people call a private sector. It's a privatized sector. It runs on the back of a piece of apartheid legislation. And that is why all of them will be saying, you can't take it away. If they are going to be honest, it's the root of the challenges that we have for all South Africans. I get calls every day from people that have been ruined by being on medical aid. They thought they were covered. They get into hospital. They get slapped with a 50,000 rands bill that they can't afford.
They are then indebted forever. So, you know, there will be room for people to do what they want outside. But we have a duty to all South Africans to become human. We have a duty not to have a, a, to, to dismantle the creative way of maintaining separateness in health. Dr. Serpente? Yeah, it's concerning because we're now, we're now focusing quite a lot on what's happening in the private sector and, and about funding and provision not being the same thing. But yet, if you take away that private sector, what is left in the public sector? We, we might hear about people, the odd person being ruined by the medical scheme industry, but you read in the newspapers, just last week, 94 patients died as a result of being transferred from the private sector into the public sector. So it, it is a big concern that, you know, there is this, this idea that the, public, the private sector is evil and ruining people and medical schemes as well. And the fact is, yes, people might have a choice, but... If, if you had to pay extra to support government facilities, you won't have the additional money to, to pay for private as well. So your choice will be gone. And also, if there isn't this medical scheme in place to actually fund these, pre-fund these things, people will not be, have access to the private sector. The moment private sector providers are not, are not being paid for by medical schemes, you'll find they start leaving the country because the, the state cannot afford to employ them and the state do not have enough posts to, to employ them. So, you know, one has to be very careful, and especially saying these things, um, although it's in a private capacity, as Dr. Letlapi now says, he holds a position of office. So even the president, if he comes and says something in his private capacity, he is still being quoted as the president of South Africa and not as Jacob Zuma, private individual. So, you know, so Dr. Letlapi is the head of an organization that has a lot of healthcare practitioners that are that are part of it, and this is not really helping relations with those healthcare providers by saying something like that, because providers are very concerned, and providers, yes, are concerned with the fact that that healthcare is getting more expensive, and there's a lot of reasons for that, and one of the reasons is that government legislation that is supposed to bring down the prices of private healthcare is not happening, and wow. if. If government is not having the legislation, then, you know, that, that there's going to be a blowout. No, we need I, to I, go I, to news I, no, headlines. I, 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 we'll I, come back, Dr. I, Dr. Litlape. We need to go to news headlines. It's your favorite time of the morning. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. Favorite time of the morning on AM Live. And thanks so much for tuning into the Forum at 8 this morning. Uh, so today on the show, we have Dr. Jose uh, Letlape here in his personal capacity uh, as an ophthalmologist in private practice. We have Ms. Nondumiso uh, Kumalo, who's a senior health economist at the Council for Medical Schemes, as well as Dr. Johan Serfotein, senior healthcare consultant at Healthman. And uh, what we are talking about is basically discussing some of the comments that were made uh, by Dr. Letlape, uh, talking about uh, medical aids and whether they should be abolished. Mm-hmm. And that is what we are focusing on this morning. Mm-hmm. And the lines are open 891 You can tweet your Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM and you can also send us an SMS to the number 34701. That will of course come at a cost of one rand. Quite a number of messages coming through already. So I just want to touch on um, uh, some of the responses. Um, Nondumiso, you wanted to respond after Dr. Serfantain, as did uh, Dr. Litlape. And also whilst we added, let's also 
just talk to the fact that people are raising concern about um, what needs to happen in the meantime until such time that NHI is up and running. What do people do um, if uh, they don't have a medical aid scheme? What what should they then uh, be focusing on? So 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 let's talk about that as well in our responses. Uh, Nondumisa, let me start with you. I just wanted um, to mention a point um, around the maldistribution of human resources um, in the private healthcare sector, as well as, um, you know, and its impact. In fact, the distribution of resources in the national health system. You find that um, the public sector, actually, some of its problems that it has now is because there's a lot of migration of clinicians from the uh, public sector to the private healthcare sector. But what we've seen in our data is that even within the private healthcare market there is no equitable distribution of these um, clinicians in certain metropolitan areas like um, you know those um, cosmopolitan or modern provinces you find a high concentration of such providers um, compared to the rural provinces so when one really thinks about universal healthcare coverage it it shows you that there is a need even within the private sector because um, one would um, assume that in the private sector everything think is okay and that there is meaningful financial protection and social solidarity. Actually, that's not the truth because those people living in rural provinces are whilst having access to medical schemes cover, they're still battling to get access to certain um, um, private health care providers. So that's one of the things that the white paper is promising to address. And actually, there's um, specific interventions that um, the Department of Health ha- have embarked in terms of improving the situation of human resources for health care. And I would recommend that the public actually have a look at the, uh, the National Department of Health publication. But you asked a very important question what will happen or or what must happen now? Well, our view is very clear um, as the Council for Medical Schemes because, I mean, up until these amendments of the Medical Schemes Act, um, you know, we have to continue to regulate the industry as efficient, um, innovative and as effective as possible. We are aware of certain, um, um, you know, possible findings that are likely going to come from the Competition Commission that relates to the manner in which we regulate the industry and we're trying proactively to address such. Um, in the beginning, we spoke about complexities of these benefit options and the fact that whilst members are, are told that they have, um, you know, options, but theoretically the options, uh, the options are there, competition between these options are there, but practically people don't know you know the the differences between one option and the other option and actually this is compounded by the fact that in certain uh, medical schemes you'd find one scheme having more than 10 or 12 benefit options and the way you utilize um, services within those options is very complex you know meaning that other people will end up paying excessive out-of-pocket payments I mean we've we've heard from the competition um, commission that um, certain people are having had I mean they've had to sell their homes for example, to be able to pay for care, which is actually uh, provided for within the prescribed uh, minimum benefit. So what we say is that in the meantime, as the Council for Medical Scheme, we will continue to regulate as effective without fear, no favor, and trying to ensure that um, we extend the financial protection that is uh, possible to be extended within the current context. But we do understand that there is a need to overhaul 
the private sector as well as the public sector. The previous caller spoke about, you know, the patients that are dying in the uh, public sector. We are aware of that, but, you know, we as CMS, we've approached several times some of the private hospital groups, for example, um, trying to get access to um, certain information such as, you know, the hospital-borne infection rates, etc., so that we can solicit whether or not the expenditure for private hospitals can be justified through the quality health outcomes that the members would be um, uh, achieving. But we haven't been um, successful in getting that information. So whilst in the public sector the information is out there that people are dying, we would love to understand the extent of quality in terms of clinical health outcomes that the members can enjoy in the private health sector because that will show value of the expenditure that we see in the private healthcare sector for specific um, providers. Mm. And of course, uh, Dr. Litlape, then there is, of course, also this trust deficit in uh, the public healthcare system. Yes, there, there will be a, a, a trust deficit. I mean, if you have a system that through some, whether it was misfortune or incredible planning, becomes a system for the poor, what do you expect when it has a higher burden of disease? When it has the, it, it takes care of the people that have a higher burden of disease that have no uh, state of nutrition is not that good. There's too many of them. Now the problem is this: people talk about where are we going to go in the meantime. The meantime has arrived. When you're on medical aid and your funds get exhausted, where do you go? To the state. To the state. <laughs> so we go back to the state. Mm-hmm. Now, we have a collective duty to restore the state to what it was. I mean, when some of us started training, when you were really sick, you went to the state. A private sector had to send patients into the state when they needed certain investigations. You now have a reversal. You have technology that doesn't exist inside the public system, and you go to refer people out to the private sector. What happened? funding model separating citizens and we can go ad nauseum about the challenges or the symptoms of private healthcare public healthcare i want to go to the root cause i want us to remain focused on the importance of one port for all south africans trust me if all mps have to go to bara for their care bara will be jacked up. Chris Hani Baragwanath Hospital will be jacked up. If they now have to go back mm. to the military hospitals that serve all in the army, all soldiers and all senior public servants, the military health services will be jacked up to what it used to be. It's all about money. People are following the pot of money. And the pot of money is bigger under the Medical Schemes Act. It's bigger outside the public health care system. You've got fewer participants, but it's a bigger port, and that's what providers follow. The average healthcare practitioner that qualifies from our system, whether it's a doctor, it's a physiotherapist, they want to work in the public system for some time. There are no posts. So they've got to move out. So even as we produce them right now, they either have to move privately or move overseas. The private sector is so over-concentrated, it's so competitive that young people can't even come into the private sector. 
So we're losing them as we produce them because of this lopsided system that we have. Now, this notion of doctors are going to leave, it's the same Beltong notion about 94. That, you know, if blacks come to govern, we go, people are going to leave. And they stocked up on Beltong because they expected everything to collapse. Anybody that wants to leave, we have a bill of rights. You have, your, you have a right as an individual to work where you want to work. Improve the working conditions in the public sector. The majority of doctors that are out there that are being hustled by medical aid will be happy to come. As long as you pay them what they deserve as a profession, they'll be happy to come back into the public sector. They'll be able to carry out their oath because they don't have to negotiate fees with the patient. Mm. They concentrate on your health care. Well, you know, and that's what there's no money. The port has left. Now, this notion, is it Dimeni, is a private provider that was providing for all state patients that needed that type of care. So we're not doing away with private provision. So people, they they, they mustn't be confused. Trust me. Okay. Uh, Dr. Serfontein, hold that thought. I want to bring in some calls and then I'll take you first with the responses. Um, uh, 0891-104-208 is our call-in number. Tate Bukhosi and Calvin, good morning. Tina. Hello. Welcome, Dr. Tate Bukhosi. Hey, you're giving me a good title. <laughs> I know. And uh, I'm missing your pleasantries uh, with uh, uh, your friend uh, in the morning when you take over Mandla. What happened there? Ah, story for another day in Tadebohosi, but we press for time right now. Okay, yeah, let, let, let me go for it. Sakina, personally, I have no regard for the CMS. I even wrote to them, they didn't even care to come back to me, but that's an argument for another day. Uh, medical, private medicine, that's quite expensive. For my wife and I only, for instance, I'm paying more than 4,000 rand a month. However, NHI that Dr. Litlape seems to be uh, uh, advocating for, uh, I want to know how are they going to launch it? Because, first of all, after 1994, we decimated the, the medical uh, uh, fraternity. We used to train a nurse for general practitioner, as a general nurse, three and a half years. After that, another year in midwifery. After that, they could go and specialize in ICU, pediatrics, or any other uh, uh, diploma in addition. We had nurses that were extremely professional and the highest standard of ethics. All that is gone. Hence the mess that we see now. And we're talking NHI. Where is the personnel? Can Dr. Letlape, for instance, tell me how successful has the uh, 11 NHI pilot centers, uh, which were launched in 2012, how successful are they? Sakina, I was a patient in Bara in the 60s and the early 70s for very major surgical interventions. The treatment, the efficiency, the cleanliness were excellent. Go to the hospitals today. Not long ago, I visited a, 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 a relative in a hospital. I took it upon myself to do an inspection in local, and I just went to the ablution block. It to the ablution block. It was appalling. The nurses' station was a chaos. 
you don't know who is professional, who is not professional. Papers lying all over the so patients not cared for, and we're talking NHI. Please. Mm. Okay. Just explain. Thank you. We'll, we'll weigh in on lady. that. Thanks for the call, Ntate Bukhose. Uh Fran in Johannesburg, good morning. Yes, hi. Thank you for this program. First of all, I want to mention that Bank Med was started in 1914, long before apartheid was even thought of. And the next thing is I want to mention possibly a, a suggestion for the, the current p- problem. Uh, someone I know uh, worked as a doctor in the public sector, Barra, and the non-European hospital in Johannesburg for about 14 years in the early 70s. And as far as we can make out, there was no payment made by patients in those days. And surely what we must do is offer free medical uh, care for the poorest of the poor. Okay, that's Fran in Joburg. Thanks, Fran. Uh, let's go to Yaj in Cape Town. Hi, Yaj. Uh, good morning, Sakina. Um, as an independent practitioner myself, I'd like to fully support Dr. Latlapez. Uh, proposals. I think we need a simplified system, single-funded system by the state, and to simplify and improve the efficiency of the system. Right now, it is an absolute nightmare. It's a nightmare for practitioners. It's a nightmare for the public and the patients. That's all I have to say. Thanks so much, Yaj. Uh, let's go to Nels Bray. Good morning, Felix. Hello, Felix. Good morning, Okay, Felix, your line is not great, so yes. you're going to have, get, uh, have to get uh, to the point quickly. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the call. Actually, I'm a medical doctor. I'm not public Okay, Felix, we'll come back to you. That line really not playing along. Let's hear from Gerald in Durban. Good morning, Gerald. Hi, um, and uh, how's you, Dr. Lasarpe? Firstly, I mean, uh, the voters in this country, you know, apartheid is long over and dead, 22 years into democracy. The voters in this country have got the health care system they voted for. The, this government runs an education system that is, a, that is in worse state than the health care system. And uh, if you can't run a, a, an education system, you have no chance of running a health care system. It is a very simple thing to uh, operate, and you've got no chance of doing it. But voters voted for this, so that this is what they, they, they've got. Um, if you look at the services where there's been growth, it's been in security, it's been in education, and it's been in healthcare, private sectors. Purely because the government, who, whose obligation is to provide those uh, 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 services, have completely failed in every respect. Okay, thanks so much, Gerald. And let's uh, get back to Felix in Nelspreit. Felix, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I hope you can hear me now. We can. Oh, yes. I'm a medical doctor myself, and I've been practicing in in the public sector for the past almost 20 years. Now, the notion that the the private must be destroyed in order to build up the public sector is a lie. And I don't know why any doctor will come on the show and be lying. You see, the problem we have is that we have a government that don't care about these people at all. The funding in the hospital 
has been increasing, yet the corruption has been so much increasing that the whole hospital is dilapidated. It, it's almost completely gone. If we have responsible people running our hospital, running the government, we will not have this mess. We don't have to destroy the private sector in order to build up the government sector. It's just a lie. People must just be responsible and curb the corruption that is going on. Okay, thanks, Felix. Uh, Dr. Serfontaine, as promised, you may have the first go here. Yes. Um, well, I just want to say that, you know, quality in the state is not actually a financial issue. It is a management issue. And, and no matter what we do with private medical schemes, it is not going to do anything to quality in the government sector because that's an administrative problem. You find that they spent a lot of money on the NHI pilot projects, and the quality in those areas have not improved at all from what's happening elsewhere because the, the government administrators are poor. In a hospital like Freire in the Eastern Cape, they had an atrocious record of patient deaths, low-quality service, long waiting times. They got a competent person in to run that hospital, and Freire Hospital is now a very good hospital that delivers quality services because of management. Now, unfortunately, whatever we do in the private sector does not affect management in the public sector, and the management issue needs to be sorted out because it doesn't take 30 doctors in a hospital to keep the floor clean. That is a hospital manager that needs to have people in place to do that. That's not a medical personnel issue. Um, and then the other issue of, of having a single having a single fund to fund systems. I mean, we have something like that in South Africa. It's called the Workmen's Compensation Fund. And the Workmen's Compensation Fund pays out about 1.4 billion rands a year in medical issues where they get in 8 billion rand a year. And in 2015, they had 231,000 outstanding medical claims to the value of 23 billion rand. So they are massively incompetent and unable to perform the function that they are supposed to perform. So how on earth do you want a government-funded single fund to fund healthcare in South Africa? Because it will go the same route as the Workmen Compensation Fund, which is not being run properly. Well, uh, let me just also uh, throw in a few messages here. Uh, an email from Mike. Mike says, Hi, Sakina, this whole argument has nothing to do with apartheid or race. The white people are and were forced to join medical aids and pay because the state health was just not up to standard in the bad old days as well. And if the state health was up to standard, I would save a lot of money every month. Another one from Dr. Mzobe says, How much does Dr. Letlape charge in his practice per average? clinical consultation and how many have-nots does he actually have on his patient base Joe in Durban says what your guest is complaining about is capitalism Uh, it's got nothing to do with apartheid his solution is called communism Anthony says NHI is not healthcare it's a disease care that reduces personal responsibility and uh, this one says should the government also make a rule on what I can eat in case I'm eating so-called better meals than poorer people or less fine than those who are richer than me. And then um, a free equal society says healthcare funding linked to cost and that's where the problem starts with inefficient public health systems. Sony says uh, we need a revolution in the healthcare system uh, and it has to include the most marginalized, the war against medical aid, not the answer though. And Doza says your guest uh, example of the road system is moot. Um, uh, What does he call a road tolling system? You can only use that if you can afford it but i must say there are many more that actually are in agreement with dr letlape this morning it's too many to read through too many to mention so but those are the ones who hold a different view dr letlape i guess it's interesting 
where people are talking about um, free medical cover for the poor, uh, just like apartheid was uh, homelands for the ones that didn't look like others. And it's an issue of separateness. Now, if you want to create a separate system for the poor, and you say we are a new South Africa where we are one, where does that come together? And if you're making a separate system for the poor, how do you expect it to compete with the system for the rich? What is the rationale behind that? Now, what happens in civilized societies is you create a safety net where it's free care at the point of service for all citizens. And you fund it from all citizens according to their means. If your earnings are zero, your contribution is zero. If your earning is 100, it will be a percentage of 100, as would be determined by our requirements and affordability. So what I'm advocating is a system for all of us, so that apartheid in health should be dead. There's a doctor that speaks about, uh, you know, the facilities not being good, that this is, we're trying to kill the private sector. Nothing could be further from the truth. What, we are, what I am advocating is the state cannot divide the population into haves and have-nots for the funding of care. It does not preclude the haves from creating their own thing outside. It does not preclude the haves to be saying, I don't want to mix with the poor. It's their choice in this country. But the state's responsibility is to all. When the Constitution talks about progressive realization within available resources, it's not talking about separating the rich from the poor. It's talking about South Africans holding hands and lifting each other, that all of us are entitled to good quality care. You know, everybody talks about what has systematically been broken. Nobody talks about we want to go back to the wide public health care system of 1967 that gave the world a heart transplant, a first heart transplant where the patient paid nothing and the doctor was on a salary and the team was on a salary. And it was done. And that's what we want to go back to. Now, they can talk about uh, how we're failing now. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. We, fought, we fell to the, you know, somebody said, uh, education is not working. S such and such is not working. The difference is that there's no act of parliament driving that. And I always say the same thing. As long as those in charge want to have a separate system, the other system will not work. People are talking about management. That, you know, it's not about resources. It's about both. And if you manage the system for all South Africans, there will be great managers all over. If the ones who can speak, like you and me, go to a separate system, and the voiceless and the vulnerable go to a different system, they are not going to be able to speak up. And nobody's going to listen. Because they are allowed. This is not what a humane society does. I mean, in the words of Steve Biko, it's an opportunity to bestow upon South Africa a more human face, where the health care you're going to get 
is not going to be based on your affordability. Whether you are rich, whether you are poor, it will be based on your needs. Where the collectivism, the solidarity for healthcare is all citizens coming together. The provision should be to all citizens from all quarters. Now, this notion of destroying the private sector is a misrepresentation of the facts. Somebody asked about the pilots. I am not involved in that. What I'm involved in is for South Africans to have a conscience, for us to make our country the great country that it can be when we work collectively for human rights and social goods. The notion of I'm fighting capitalism, nothing could be further from the truth. But if you want better health for everyone, it's a communist plot. Under capitalism, it's poor health for the poor and expensive health for the rich and all of them die mm. at the end of the day. Is not my notion. And just to wrap it up and to show you where our listeners are at, uh, like split nicely, Sig says, one thing is clear, we all have to flee abroad to join the doctors and nurses who fled before us. Tommy says, I fear those that value justice like Dr. Letlape are becoming a rarity in this uh, world lost in its humanity. And then Given says, both have a point, but we need to find common ground for the point of departure so we can reach the destination at the same time. That is where we're going to leave it this morning. To our panel, thank you so much uh, for a great debate. Thanks so much, uh, Dr. Jose Letlape, here in his capacity as ophthalmologist in private practice. Also, Ms. Nondumiso Kumalo, a senior health economist at CMS, and Dr. Johan Serfontein, senior health consultant at Healthman. And thanks, as always, for your fantastic participation moment you've all been waiting for the forum at eight with sakina kamwendo on am live the forum at eight with sakina kamwendo